The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. Glory, Glory to you, Lord. Lord. In those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she, encountered, where she, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you've ever seen musical theater, either live or on screen, you have probably thought to yourself at least once, even if just for a fleeting moment, this is so unrealistic. People don't just break into song and dance every time something happens in their lives. Now, some, music, some musicals do a better job of incorporating that than others, but you realize when you listen to the soundtrack that very little of the plot is actually contained in the songs, for the most part. I have a pastor, friend, and colleague who is a trained opera singer, and she reminded some of us at a recent tech study that in opera, the star moments of the show are the big solos, but almost never do those solos advance the plot. That's not why they're there. In order to advance the plot, they use a recitative, an, almost, an often almost chant-like way to get a good bit of text out without tons of melody in the way. Now, the big solos, the, the arias perhaps especially, are there to express a universal truth, a deep emotion that we can connect to. No, most of us don't break, break into song and dance in the midst of a conversation, although I have known one or two folks who did. But we do have big and profound emotions that need voicing, and we're impacted by and long for those deep, universal truths. This year, in the season of Advent, in the third of our three-year lectionary cycle, we read Luke's Gospel, in which the characters act as if they are in musical theater. They pause in the action, and they sing. Mary runs to Elizabeth. And Mary responds to Elizabeth's greeting with song. 
When John the Baptist is born and Zechariah's tongue is finally freed from his months of imposed silence, he sings. It is in Luke that we hear the detail in Jesus' birth of the heavenly host breaking into song for the shepherds. When Jesus is presented at the temple, Simeon breaks into his song. Cue the soundtrack, the dance numbers, the quizzical expressions of onlookers. The birth narrative of Jesus is a full-on musical production. Now, on the one hand, it might make it seem to us to have that in there, that it makes the story kind of a pie-in-the-sky, fanciful nonsense or quaint historical narrative. Only in a musical, right? Would a teenage girl bear the Son of God and sing to her cousin about the toppling of empire and the poor being fed? Here in the real world, we know that poverty is a problem in every country and every generation. We know people use power to oppress others based on money and skin color and gender or just because. In this view, which even we people of faith sometimes ascribe to implicitly, the Jesus narrative is a nice story that gives us a break from our troubled and hurting world. On the other hand, if we remember that we come to a production not just to hear a story, but to resonate with deep truths about ourselves and our world, to connect with something larger, and that the hit numbers, the big arias, those are the points that express the most universal truths and connect us to the deepest part of ourselves. And maybe this burst of song could actually be at the heart of our faith and life. Now, Mary sings today in our reading of things already accomplished, despite the fact that Jesus is but a fetus in her womb. This is both because God has done these things. The empire toppling, the care for the poor and lowly, the choosing of the younger, less expected one. That's all embedded in the history of Mary's people. God liberated the Hebrews from the Egyptian pharaoh. King David was chosen despite being the youngest, least likely of his brothers. Queen Esther emerged as a hero to save her people through an unusual series of events. These things have already happened. And yet Mary sings this clearly also to indicate the meaning of the child within her, what he will yet do. But more than that, she sings in the past tense to indicate the completeness, the completedness of God's rule and reign in opposition to the earthly powers and the forces of oppression that plague us still. This is a song that gives hope to the hopeless in every time and place. It is a song that was true then, is true now, and will always be true. So how might we sing it here in this time and this place? Christians who pray the daily offices have literally sung these exact songs for centuries, punctuated their everyday lives with them. Monastics, especially in the, monastics especially, in the daily rhythm of simple daily chores and care for the poor and care for the land, they pause and burst into song. Zechariah's song every morning at Matins, Mary's song every evening at Vespers, and Simeon's song every night at Compline and the song of the Psalms scattered heavily throughout. It's what we do even now in our worship. We're so used to that rhythm of song and word and song and, and meal and song again that perhaps we fail to realize just how radical it is that we pause throughout our worship 
to connect in that deep way, to sing, to embody the universal truths that demand the power of song to be expressed. I certainly commend to you the singing of these and other sacred songs, not just in worship, but in your daily life. There are times I've lived in communities that had regular opportunity to pray these daily offices, and it is a beautiful thing. I still sing my daughter to bed several nights a week with Compline, which includes Simeon's song, and it has a way of working its universal meaning into one's soul when sung with that regularity. But what I want us to ponder this morning is how we might sing these songs, sing the song of our faith in ways that are bold and passionate, to break out perhaps in metaphorical song, in ways that make people who are watching us pause and wonder if maybe we've lost our minds. What would it mean for us to be so bursting with the message of good news for God's people in the world, with ho so bursting with hope and love and grace, with justice, that we simply could not contain ourselves anymore? Would it push us to bold and beautiful welcome, as you have done here in thoughtfully engaging the reconciling in Christ process? You sing to the world Mary's song with your commitment to welcome. Would it push us to roll out welcome to refugees, with, certainly with thoughtful planning, but without regard to cost? Might our song look like speaking the truth about racism embedded in our communities and our churches and committing to pushing back against the entrenched systems that keep people with lighter skin in power? Might our song look like radical feeding of our neighbor? Might our song look like providing services for young people emerging from foster care at age 18 with no one to guide them and care for them? I don't have the answer about what your part is in this bigger number that we're all trying to sing and dance to together. But I do know that you have a part, that God is doing something in you, that God has given you and me the kind of grace that God gave to Mary to bear God's word into this world, despite our not being fully up to the task. Part of your transition work here at Holy Trinity will be to identify what part of that song your congregation carries now in this time, in this place, in this moment. Yes, to listen to who you are as a congregation, to think about what kind of pastoral leadership can best serve you at this moment in your life as a congregation, but more than anything, to visit again the question we must always ask, which is, what is it that brings you so full to bursting with God's love? And how is it that you are being called to blurt that out into the world? Mary's song. It's so powerful that it has been banned by governments for the ways it has inspired challenge to those in power. In British-ruled India, in Guatemala, and Argentina, all at some point literally banned people from singing this biblical song, lest it inspire people to rise up for justice. How can you, as God's people at Holy Trinity, sing so boldly that people sit up and take notice like that? How can we reclaim the profoundly countercultural movement that Mary sings? Maybe it isn't standing up to government power, though there certainly is a place for that, but for the church in that. But maybe it's being so generous that people in your community can't help but wonder what kind of God inspired that. 
or being so absolutely accepting of others that people start to think this God of ours might just be worth checking out. Whatever it is, whatever your part is, Mary invites us now to join the song, and yes, even maybe the dance, of this God who loves this world literally to death. Mary invites us to burst forth in song at the God who comes to us and to all the world. Mary invites us to join her in being God-bearers, chosen ones, holy messengers for the sake of the world. May it be so. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, part of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Pastor Tim has left Holy Trinity to take a position at Lutheran World Relief. Over the next few weeks, Holy Trinity will have a few supply pastors on Sunday mornings until we find an interim pastor. You can find us at htelc.com. And don't forget, you are loved.